Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thank you so much, Diane and Patricia, for leading us through the creed. And thank you, worship team, for uh, leading us into the presence of God and Taffy for hosting us this evening and orienting our hearts and our minds toward God and his presence. It's good to be with you all tonight and to worship God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your unfailing love and goodness. Thank you for teaching us to listen to you. Thank you for teaching us to desire you. Thank you for teaching us to love you and to obey you. Please open our ears and awaken our hearts this evening by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may faithfully hear, truly discern, and lovingly respond to your voice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is the word of the Lord to us tonight. And this evening is what we call the beginning of kingdom tide or ordinary time. It's, uh, it's the part of the church calendar that, ex- that is the longest. It extends from now up until the end of November. And it's a time when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We live our lives in the life of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's where we work out our salvation day by day in the struggles, in the joys, in the washing the dishes, going to work, being with our neighbors, being with those who are suffering, getting in fights with people, and reconciling and loving and dancing and rejoicing. In all of this, we are alive because God has made us alive in Jesus Christ. And my prayer as we go through this season, this ordinary time, this life with God, my prayer is that God will give us new wonder as a whole church, 
new wonder at the gift of eternal life in Jesus. When I read this passage that we've uh, come to tonight, I am struck by the power that eternal life, the promise of eternal life, has for the Apostle Paul. If I were to restate, if I was going to like reorganize his thoughts and say, okay, like how does everything in this passage connect? This is what I would say. There's one cause and there are three effects. The cause, the energy, the power source in this, in this passage is verse 14. And which is also, it comes back in, in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That is the core. That is the energy. That is the cause of all these other things. And, and what are the causes of that? That wonderful good news? The effects of that cause, the effects of that cause are number one, that the Apostle Paul and the people with him believe and then speak this good news to other people. They share this wonderful news. So the good news causes them to speak. Secondly, this good news brings benefit to everybody who hears it and grace multiplies throughout all the world so that all people who hear this wonderful news that God, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you, with us, to himself. That, when that good news comes to all peoples of the earth, thanksgiving overflows to the glory of God. So the first cause is the good news, the, the first effect is that people believe it and speak it. Second effect is that other people hear it, take it in, pass it on and rejoice and give thanks to God because it benefits them so much. And the third effect is that those who are suffering do not lose heart. This good news, this wonderful news, transforms our suffering and makes it meaningful and gives us joy in the middle of it. It's powerful. It's wonderful. And I hope and pray that this season, God will give us as a church new wonder at the gift of eternal life in Jesus. Because we need that. It's real. It's for us. And in our time, it has gotten a bad reputation. The idea of life after death in Canada in 2021 is not a popular idea. And I don't mean this in terms of like Christians versus people who are not Christians or what have you. It's just something that we have a hard time thinking is really important. After all, the words that we've read, that we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with him and present us with you to himself, those words all have to do with life after death, life in the presence of God. And we live in a time when in our country, in our culture, we have made death disappear. Our hospitals and our funeral homes clean death up and they make death a financial and an emotional issue, something that we need to walk through and then get over pretty quickly so that we can get on with living. So we don't see death very often in our culture. So we don't think of it as a reality for ourselves. We kind of live with this idea that death is probably not going to happen to me. But also, we're suspicious of people who talk too much about life after death. 
Maybe life after death feels morbid to us. It's like, well, why are you talking about death after, like life after death? Don't you want to live now? Or maybe these people are too dogmatic or they're religious in a bad way. Or maybe we think, you know, Jesus was all about bringing transformation to this world. Why are you talking about life after death when Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God here and now? And we make it seem like it's an either-or situation. Because maybe we know some people that made it all about life after death and not about transformation here. And maybe we think, you know, doesn't talk of life after death actually distract people from the practical good that they should be doing here and now? Or at its worst, maybe, you know, isn't the talk about life after death actually the kind of thing that Karl Marx called the opiate of the masses? The thing that makes all of the oppressed people in the world go along with evil situations because some powerful people are saying, hey, if you suffer now, you know, I'll go through that suffering. It'll be better for you after. And isn't that just a way of controlling people and oppressing them? And all of these kinds of thoughts and feelings are in our culture. And I think the impact of it is that, that at the end of the day, we're not compelled by, by good news of life after death. It doesn't seem real to us. Our, our concern is how do we be, be good people now and how do we live good lives now? And if life after death is something that you think is important, then okay, you can think about that. And so I think life after death has gotten a bad reputation in our time. But I want to say to you tonight that I think our culture is wrong. Very, very wrong on this. And that life in Jesus Christ after death is so much more wonderful than we usually think of. It is so wonderful, I'm, I, and I hope that you can feel this with me. I believe that this promise of life after death is so wonderful that it makes sense to meditate on it day and night. That this promise of life after death is something that like, when you can't sleep at night, it's a beautiful place to rest your thoughts on the promise that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with him and present us to himself with you, with others. When you, when you are facing the evil of the world and you've been in the battle and you want more strength for the battle, this promise of life after death is the hope and the strength to endure because it holds out the reality of a victory already accomplished, of, of God's amazing work in you right now in the middle of your suffering, and of a victory that you will enjoy without any limitation, without any poison in Christ for eternity. This promise of life after death is so wonderful that when you're feeling sad and when you're feeling like you are in, in a lot of pain, you're confused, set your heart and your mind on this promise and you'll find that there is some strength in your sadness. And there's some health to it. And you'll find that there is some healing in your pain and the strength to endure. And you'll find uh, that you have energy to rejoice because this good news of life after death in Jesus Christ is wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's so wonderful that it's actually fun to talk about with other people. Like the stuff that it talks about in the text, right? Those three effects of, well, if you believe this, then of course you want to share it with others. And then when other people hear it, they're excited because it benefits them a lot. And they 
abound with joy. They, 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 they want to give God thanks and they want to celebrate it and pass it on to others. And, and everybody discovers that God is present in our suffering and that actually we all have this great vision of a future filled with joy and free from pain. That's real. And that's for us. That's for us here at Mosaic Church in 2021 in Canada, in Northeast London. That's for us. Well, how is it? How is it that it's so wonderful? Well, let me, let me see if I can paint some of this picture. And I freely admit my words are not adequate to communicate the reality of it to you. And so, like in everything, uh, I'm just offering you my words and trusting that my words will be the avenue through which the Holy Spirit awakens your heart and that he'll just call to mind the things that truly will be the re- for you the reality of this promise. So let's just, I just want to take that one little phrase where he says, um, for we know, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And I'm just going to, I'm going to get into some details and I hope you can follow me, but we're just going to talk that phrase through from a couple of different perspectives to see the wonder of it. Because when something truly is wonderful, what do you do with it? You pause and you look at it and you take it in slowly. So that's what we're going to do with this little phrase. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Okay, number one. We want to wonder at the reality that this is all about God's activity. This is not about us. It's not about what we can accomplish for ourselves. This good news is all about what God does what God has done, and what God will do. And in fact, you can, you can say, like if somebody was to ask you, well, who is God? This passage gives you a great answer. If somebody asked you, who is God? You could say, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. That's the living God. Any other version of God that does not include the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead is not the true living God. This is all about what God has done, and God has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. And what does that teach us about God? That God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Well, I'm pretty sure that you would say, um, it teaches us that God does something. Yes, God does things. It's true. God is alive, and God does things. It does teach us that. Maybe you would say, uh, it teaches us that God is more powerful than death. And I would say amen to that. I think that's true. God is more powerful than death. But I want to push back on that for a minute and say, okay, I think, this, I think it does say that. Would you say that God is more powerful than all forms of death or just, just physical death? And you would probably reply to me and say, well, all death, obviously. Come on, Pastor Andrew, we know each other. You know me. Uh, yes, yes. Sorry, this is getting weird. So, yeah. God is actually, God has all power over all forms of death, spiritual, physical, social. So all expressions of death, from shame to oppression to evil to racism, white supremacy, um, classism, you go on and list all of the evils of this world, even the destruction of the planet, God has authority over that. God is more powerful than that. 
God has power over death. And in fact, the scriptures go, go so far as to make this incredibly radical claim that the living God, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, he is life itself, and he's also the one who kills and makes alive. He really is the one who has authority over death. Death, evil, injustice, and destruction are not equal powers to the living God. The living God, in, who, who is life itself, in whom death does not live, death does not participate in the life of God. He is the one who has authority over death itself. And so that's true. But let's talk about this a little bit more. Okay, so what else does this teach us about God? So the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Okay, so, so this is, teaches us that God acts, that God has power and authority over death, and that God has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Well, the Lord Jesus, we all know, is a human being, just like you and me, right? He had eyes that blinked. He probably got stuff stuck in his eyes sometime and had to like clear it out. He ate, he went to the bathroom, he hugged people, he jumped up and down, he smelled things, he might have smelled, well, he had odor himself, he had B.O., you know? Jesus was a full human being, we know that, just like us, uh, and more so. And then he died. And after he died, what this teaches us is that, the, that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, which means that Jesus was still Jesus. The same Jesus that walked this earth and ate and talked with his friends is the, is the one who was raised back to life. He was not raised back to life as an alien. He was not raised back to life as a ghost. He was the real Jesus. Physical flesh and blood, spirit embodied, embodiment of spirit, the real human being Jesus was raised back to life. The real Jesus. That's who God raised back to life. Well, it, that is true. Well, that means that God loves human beings. He loves what we are as human beings. He is redeeming us as human beings. God is not looking at us, looking at us and saying, you know what? You guys are so physical and so smelly that in order to really save you, I'm going to take away your bodies and you're just going to be spirits. And then you'll be really be in my presence. That's not it at all. That's not what God does. He makes us human beings because he delights in us. He doesn't need the physical world. He doesn't need it for himself, but he made it to, to, to pour out his joy into it so that this world could be filled with his glory and so that we, with our bodies, might be transformed as well. So God, raised, God likes our bodies and God is saving us in our bodies. He is the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Well, of course, that means that everything else that God intends for us to be also has to be raised from the dead. Now, that might sound a little bit weird, but God created us. God draws our human nature into himself because he loves us. He, he wants us to be what he created us to be. Well, being a human being is more than just being an individual with, a, like with, a phys, like with physical hands and a spirit. It's more than that. We're all connected to each other, right? Who am I without my relations? I'm nothing. I'm a lost, confused nobody without you. And I'm not just talking about like you call me pastor. I'm saying like we know each other in relationship with each other. It's, this is actually a very biblical idea. The, the human being in the very beginning doesn't know itself 
in the Garden of Eden, does not know that it's a man until it encounters a woman. And then the human being says, hey, I'm a man, you're a woman, this is awesome, hey! We know each other in relationship with each other. Similarly, our memories, right? If, I, if Jesus was raised from the dead as Jesus Christ, he came with all of his memories. He knew who he was. He knows who he is. So he remembered his life. Isn't that amazing to think that God could raise Jesus to, the, to, to new life again? Jesus who had been through torture. Jesus who had been abandoned by his friends. Jesus who had hung on a cross suffocating for hours. And when Jesus comes back from the from from the dead and he is raised to new life, he's the same person, but those memories have no power to harm him anymore. Those memories are now simply a source of healing for you and me. Our new life in Jesus will be with our memories, but our memories will be transformed because our memories are are really, they're a very important part of who and what we are as human beings, right? But think about that even more, right? What If God delights in these hands that he made, the hands, that, the hands that, that he made to feel, then how, how, how contradictory would it be if God said, okay, I'm going to raise a lot of human beings to life, but I, uh, they're not going to be able to touch anything except each other. There will be nothing else except other people. That would be so weird, right? Be like, well, what? Like, your hands love to touch the, pl- the plants. They love to pet the dog. Your hands love to hold the stuffies close, right? You love to feel the fuzz of a stuffy on your, on your face. You love to enjoy the, 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 the softness of the sheets in your bed. You love the feel of, of good food going down your gut, your, your, your gullet. You love the, the flavor of good drink. You love the good aromas of the flowers and, and you love the delight of the, of the beautiful bright world around. Because that's what God created. And our bodies go with that world. And so the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead means that God actually is transforming the whole world so that these resurrected bodies that he's giving us in Jesus Christ will have a home, a place to worship and to know him. And actually this whole world will be transfigured, filled with the glory of God. Because the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead actually did it. That's what God did. And so this this reality that God raised Jesus from the dead is amazing. It teaches us that God loves this creation, that this world matters to him. It teaches us that God is active, that God has authority over death. But then think about this. It's like this life after death is also completely communal. God will raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That means that nobody stands before God or God, let me put it another way. God is not wanting to end up to have you in a situation where you are isolated and alone, cowering before the living God. That's not what God wants for you. Instead, what God wants is to raise the whole human family to life in Jesus Christ. So all of those people in your life that God has built you to love. He has built you for eternal communion with them. Like, put that another way. He wants you to enjoy life forever in his presence with those people. He's he's raising people together. It's a community thing. It's not just a me by myself thing. And that's because this is how God created people to be. 
physical beings, spiritual beings in community with him and with each other. And that is what is being redeemed in Jesus Christ. That's what we look forward to. Now, this, now, probably all of that, I think, is wonderful and amazing. And so when you think about this, this reality, uh, we should be standing at wonder and thinking about how cool this is. But here's where it gets tricky. It says that God will present us to himself. Now, what we do not use that language, and we do not have really nice pictures of that. So I was looking, I was doing some research on it, and that word can mean to present somebody before a judge. Okay, so you get a subpoena, somebody sends you a letter, says you need to appear in court, and then you go and you are presented by maybe the bailiff or whoever, they introduce you to the court, and now you're the one standing before the judge. Now, we already said, though, that this is a communal reality, so it's like you and your friends are coming before the judge. When we think about that picture, we think, oh my goodness, that's terrifying. I don't want to be in front of a judge. Oh my goodness. And it's like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not somebody that goes all the time into the, into the courts and, and understands that the judges are just hilarious people like everybody else. That's not how I see the judge. I'm scared of the judge. I don't want to go in front of the judge. And me and my friends don't want to go in front of the judge because we have this negative feeling. And we think that, okay, if God is perfect, which God is, if God knows all things, which God does, if God is completely holy and righteous, which God is, and I'm supposed to stand in front of his presence, and we're all supposed to stand in front of God, that's terrifying. Friends, of course, if we had to stand in front of God apart from Jesus Christ, it would be the most terrifying thing ever. It would be. But that is never what God holds out for us. He's going to raise us with Jesus Christ, which means that when we stand before him, we're standing before him in Jesus Christ, transformed so that we are like Jesus Christ. And so this being presented to God is more like, if you want to even use the legal, the legal um, picture, it's like a family that has adopted some kids and the adoption is being completed. And so the family's coming into the court and the, and the judge is saying, yes, yes, this is the family. Yes, this is the child. Yes, these are the parents. Yes, this is the good adoption. The judge is there to approve and to confirm the reality that a new family has been made. And, in, and that's an image of what it's like for us when we get to the other side of this earthly life, and we are raised to new life in Jesus Christ, we stand before God with our community, and he looks at all of us and he says, welcome home. He says, you are radiant with the beauty of Jesus. You are the ones that, I was, that I'm so delighted that I redeemed. You are like, you have been transformed now so that you reflect my glory, and you are worthy to be here. Because my grace, God's grace, has so worked in our lives and has changed us so deeply that we are so like him, that we are at home living in his presence. And that is unending joy. That is unending love. That is unending pleasure in the presence of God. It's so good. And so when, there, when, you, when you think about the things in this life that remind you of eternity, the things in this life, the projects that you want to work on, that you just know that they're good. I mean, Corey and Jess opening up their clinic. I mean, that's good. Physiotherapists helping people 
heal in their bodies and get more flexible and get mobile and heal from concussions. That's good. People start in community gardens where people can come in and, and families can experience working together and getting to know other families and children can see things grow and, and we can feel the goodness of the earth and the beauty of the sun. We can see what water does and, and we're part of the whole creation working together when we see a community flourish around a community garden. I mean, those things are good. These are signs of eternity. How much greater will the reality be when the community garden is not mired in a lot of administration that nobody really wants to do. And we all have to do it because people break the rules sometimes. Or how much, how great will it be when you have a community garden and people don't steal the water, right? Or what about when, um, when everybody's body is so robust that what we're just doing is like learning new ways to move, new, new ways to dance, and everybody's participating together. And, and, and there's just this wholeness in us that we can just wonder at and enjoy. And we don't have to, be, we don't have to worry about breaking, you know, about pulling muscles, breaking limbs or whatever. We're just free. We're free. We're functioning as we were, as we were created to function. The healing will be complete. And everything that we experience now that is good and worthwhile is a foretaste. It's a foretaste. It's like the, uh, it's like the befores. It's like when you're, you're cooking, you're, you're, you're baking cookies and you steal a little bit of the dough because the cookie dough is good. But you know the cookies, when they're done, are going to be better unless you make really good cookie dough, in which case don't, don't bake the cookies. But, but if the cookies are going to be better, then you bake the cookies, right? And then you have a lot of them. But you steal a little bit of that dough because it's good. And that's what all the best things in this life are. They are a foretaste. They're the befores of the reality which we will experience in eternity when we are raised to life with Christ and presented with all of God's people before our Heavenly Father. Our sins removed, free to live as God created us to live with joy and love forever in a new creation. Praise be to God. So, I think, and I hope you can feel this, I think it, it, it makes sense. What the scriptures say tonight makes sense. That when we live in the wonder of the good news, that God is going to make us alive with Jesus and present us before him with, uh, with our community, man, it translates into a beautiful life here and now. And we see this reflected everywhere throughout church history in the midst of all of the garbage that goes on, even though there is incredible injustice and, and terror and horror in church history. There is also this beautiful reality that people live differently when Jesus is alive in them, and it's good. So, for example, people talking about it, right? I mean, I don't... How many times when you hear somebody say, you know... I didn't, I didn't really believe in God. I didn't, I didn't think God was real. And then stuff started happening in my life. And I realized maybe, maybe somebody's there. And then I realized how wrong I was and that God is real. And then God met me and I was totally overwhelmed with this, this experience of God that I had never done, I had never tasted before. And you hear that story of somebody coming to faith in Jesus and you're like, that's so good. It's so good. It's just so good. 
And it is. And, and this good news that, like, of the redemption, the healing of all the world in Jesus Christ, it's good news, and it's wonderful to talk about it with other people. It's not pushy to talk about it. In fact, for a lot of us here at Mosaic, we have high trust relationships with our neighbors. The people around us know us. They know who we are. And when we speak of Jesus to them, they will hear it as the good news that it is to us. Because God's goodness has been evident to them in our lives. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We've got to keep repenting. We've got to be honest about our mistakes. And we've got to keep on always working. Always working by the power of the Spirit to, to become more like Christ. But we have high trust relationships with the people around us. And when we speak about Jesus to them, and when we dream with them about a world made new by God, I think they'll experience it as good news. Secondly, this is for the benefit of people here and now. Right? When we think about all that God has done for us, then the natural response to that is to do all that we can for other people, to lay down our lives for them, to serve them, to care for them. And within that, and we and we are limited. So we all we're gonna we're not gonna be able to, to do what we won't want to some of the times. But to lay down our lives, to, to like to 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 seek the practical benefit of the people around us makes sense in light of the amazing life that God has given us that cannot be taken away from us because it's his work. It's his work. And so when you think about the people around you, think about the amazing joy that comes with learning, the, learning ways to make them happy. What brings a smile to your neighbor's face? What makes your neighbor laugh? What makes your neighbor, your, your, your housemate, what makes them grateful? What are they really looking for? God wants to meet them right there. He wants to do that through you. He wants your life to be a practical benefit to them so that they can experience the full benefit of this amazing good news of eternal life in Jesus. And so that with us, they can give thanks to God for the amazing future and amazing hope that we experience right now. And I love that this reality does not exclude our suffering. I love that. Because we know that suffering is real. We know that we have to bring our lament, our lament to God. We've had a wonderful exhortation from Gloria tonight saying that we got to say to God, where were you? Where are you? We got to cry out to God with all that we are when we, when we need to bring that lament to God. We need to not hold it back. But also, that lament and the suffering that brings that lament about is not meaningless. The things that are happening in our world from the front, like that we are suffering from today, right? The things that torment our souls, the things that torment those we love, those are not fake. They're not going away soon, but they're also not the end of the story. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. And the life that he offers us is a life where there is no injustice, where there is no oppression, where there is uh, no shame and no um, loneliness. In Jesus Christ, there is perfect union with God, with creation, with one another. And we, we only get a foretaste here, but the reality to come is going to blow our minds. So that our minds are going to have to grow in order to experience it, right? 
the end of the story is not this injustice, this racism that we deal with day by day. The end of the story is the human family in Jesus Christ, presented before God, holy and blameless, united in love, the languages of the world before the creator who brought those languages forth, even languages that were lost, all the human reality redeemed and made new in Jesus Christ. That's the end of the story, which is to say the story doesn't end. We're just at the very beginning. And when we die in Jesus Christ, we're brought to life for the next chapter. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the author of life. We are living your story. You are living your story in us. We don't write the story of our lives. We can't make ourselves come back to life. We can't, we, we couldn't even bring ourselves forth in the first place. So God, we just, we thank you for the gift of life in Jesus Christ. We thank you for every good gift that we experience now. We thank you that there is a far greater reality ahead. Lord, I pray that you would awaken within us the hope and joy that we see in your people who, who hold on to the hope of eternal life, who know the promise of eternal life. Would you give us hearts and minds that are fixed on that reality, on that hope of eternal life? Would, that, would your promise, your goodness to us in Jesus Christ fill us with joy and hope and lead us just to love our neighbors in practical ways, to speak of you, to suffer with faith and endurance. And Lord Jesus, we are looking forward to the time when we are in your presence, in the presence of the Father by the power of the Spirit, when we are made new and these bodies are transformed and all creation is made new. Please fill our hearts and minds with the wonder of your good news, we pray in your name. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thanks for listening.